Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Close Encuentro of the Third Kind. Uh, I'm uh, your host in Kansas City, uh, Jude Hunt, the Faith Outreach Director for Habitat for Humanity, along with John Gonzalez. I'm your co-host over in Brooklyn, Queens, a Director of Parish and Community Relations for Catholic Charities uh, out here, and we're both adjunct professors at different um, colleges, obviously yes. in New York City and yours out there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so we were talking about Thanksgiving and you know how we typically, you know, go, go and visit home, right? Uh, you know, we visit mm -hmm. family, whatnot. Obviously that looks something different this particular year uh, than in previous years. Um, but, you know, the concept of home and, uh, you know, uh, not just as as a place where we eat and whatnot, but you know, as a place where we're rooted, where we have this basic need for shelter and community. Um, and it's interesting that you know, sort of, you know, Thanksgiving sort of begins it, but the whole Advent and Christmas season is all about shelter. It's all about home and uh, you know and whatnot. And obviously, the work I do at Habitat is about you know uh, uh, providing families with. Um, safe, clean, affordable housing. Uh, you know, Habitat's been doing that for 50 years. And, um, you know, a lot of people think that we give our homes away, John. And, and um, actually what we do is we build the homes um, and the family per, um, repays us at an interest-free loan. So, um, oh, so they get an interest-free mortgage. Habitat's actually its own mortgage company. So, um, and if you've owned a home, you know that the most expensive thing on your mortgage is the interest. Uh, it's not the principal, it's not the escrow. It's, uh, so when you take that away, um, you know, so for example, here in Kansas City, the average rent for a two bedroom apartment is between 900 and $1,000. Wow. A habitat home, a three bedroom, two bath home is between five and $700 total. Okay, uh, you know, that includes your escrow and uh, you know and whatnot. So uh, that makes a big difference in you know in a family's life. Um, um, but obviously, we can't provide housing for everybody. So we are in in the business of advocacy as well. Um, you know, trying to find other housing solutions for people. Uh, and I know uh, Catholic Charities. Um, you know, here in Kansas City, they do a lot of senior housing and whatnot for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Catholic Charities in Brooklyn does something similar. Yeah, we're very, we're very, you know, the one thing about um, Catholic Charities is we're a national organization. You have it over there. We, uh, you know, I, I work with ours over here, um, but we're not a one size fits all. Uh, Catholic Charities, we have Catholic Charities USA, and you mentioned advocacy, and we very much work with them at the federal level, of course, for for advocating for um, you know for these things, but we also I know I have I actually worked with two Catholic charities in um, in my tenure with um, Rockville Center Long Island very suburban very different reality than now Brooklyn Queens right. obviously very urban very very different reality so so the way that they address the housing issue would look different right mm -hmm. an urban right. versus a a solid you know uh, suburban mentality and by the way regards to advocacy are doing very different you know, beasts as well. So um, here, for example, um, and actually maybe I can even um, uh, talk to you about both of them. 
we also look at the needs uh, and that's that's true about you know Catholic charities it's not like I said not a one-size-fits-all we look at the needs what's going on in Brooklyn and Queens we have the the reality of <clears throat> uh, you know a growing senior population that's being left alone because their their sons the daughters the children are, are migrating they're migrating out of New York City you know uh, one of the things you'll hear about is taxes and, and their concern for that so they go to places where they can afford and, uh, a, a bigger home um, where and they can you know go for other job opportunities and all that that they're looking for so that happens and what ha and when that happens the the families who get left behind they're aging and, but they're also used to a certain way of living. They they may have you know that they they don't want to leave, uh, and 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 so you have uh, you know dealing with my mother in Florida and telling her you know it's it's time for you to to think about maybe coming closer. Well, she doesn't want to leave. She right. she's happy being there, and I have to kind of respect that. Right. That being the phenomenon here, senior homes, also uh, disabilities, mm -hmm. we're attentive to that. We're also attentive to veterans um, mm -hmm. and making sure that. Uh, we can respond to the need of um, not only with homes and, 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 and it's not shelter in just having something over your head. Right. It's also looking at the, you know, the, the quality of life that you need attended to, <clears throat> you need services, you need therapy, post-traumatic stress disorders, right. uh, the aging community. It's, uh, it's having homes, but having homes that are going to be protected. Right. Right. You know, having a staff, that uh, that can be attentive to the needs, having a staff that knows uh, that is able to to offer workshops. We, we provide senior centers too. I want to say that, um, which is in hiatus right now with uh, with COVID. Right. But you know, we, we put all our resources together: senior centers, uh, meals on wheels. You know, all of these things that we can offer for our senior homes, and then with the, our mental health uh, community therapy and you know what other resources uh we have to bring we can bring into to those communities right so that's yeah that's what we do rockville center yeah. uh, you know they have their own needs and uh, seniors is part of that right. um but they have the thea bowman homes in amityville which mm -hmm. is dedicated to for them a growing uh the mental health issue of autism and and, and stuff like that so they're more attentive to you know to homes for people with those types of um, conditions. Right, right. Yeah, and you know, uh, you know, people think Habitat just does, um, you know, the building of homes, but we also, you know, our families have to go through 50 hours of financial education. And so what we have done in that is, you know, we bring families together in groups and we actually build our homes in uh, <coughs> clustered neighborhoods. So we're building community. Um, so our, so our families go through the program together. They're going to be neighbors with each other. So they come to know each other. Uh, so we're very intentional about building community and support for each other. So when one family moves into their home, there's a whole bunch of other Habitat families who are there, you know, out to welcome them. You know, we do the house blessing and whatnot. So building community is very important. And the other thing that we've been very intentional with, and one of the reasons um, I work in Habitat is they asked me to you know, to connect with different social service agencies to provide additional needs for families because we can't provide everything. So, uh, but we have great relationships with Catholic Charities and Metropolitan Lutheran Ministries and a host of other faith groups. Um, so that, for example, you know, we just uh, moved a family in 
right before Thanksgiving. Uh, her name is Aker Bull. She's got four kids. She was one of the lost girls of the Sudan. Uh, she was a, you know, she was a refugee. And she came here, she had a family, her husband passed away. Uh, she's got these four kids and she needed home. And uh, she was renting an, you know, an apartment, but it was expensive, it wasn't very clean. Uh, she came through our program. And so we were building her home. In the middle of building her home, her apartment complex got bought out by somebody. And they decided to evict everybody and raise rents and whatnot. And she didn't have a place to live. Um, now, as it turned out, I knew her uh, pastor. Um, she went to a Disciples of Christ church here locally. He, he reached out and said, hey, I need help. You know, we got to keep her house for a couple of months. And so I worked with him. And we connected with other social services in the area to provide her with, with a housing for herself and her kids. Uh, until we can get her moved into her home. Um, we have another family right now whose uh, house we're building, uh, the place they were renting, they had a fire and they lost everything. So now, you know, <laughs> again, I'm on the phone with uh, Jewish Family Services and a host of other agencies mm -hmm. to provide to this family until we can get that house built and finished, you know, in the spring. Um, so, um, you know, we're we're becoming very intentional about partnering with these agencies to provide more holistic, you know, services because, you know, um, you know, the right to housing, you know, like many other rights is grounded in that more foundational right to life. If we have the right to life, then we have the right to shelter and food and water and, uh, you know, all the things that support and sustain life. Um, and so that's the, you know, the grounding that we come from in the, in the Catholic social teaching tradition. And, and that's what we have to live out in a consistent ethic of life like this. Mm -hmm. It's like I, I tell my students, um, I think there's a distinction with um, the idea of rights or human rights or civil, right. uh, civil political versus economic and social rights from the American perspective versus a Catholic perspective. Exactly. And what I say, and I think, you know, our Catholic social teaching, I love how we use uh, when we talk about the seven principles, one, but we say rights and responsibilities. That second word is very crucial yes. because that, that, is the, that is the distinction between a Catholic approach to, to human rights versus a typical um, you know, civil political, which is the American. I, tell, I remind my students, I say, do we, and, and constitutionally, do we <clears throat> civil political rights, economic, social rights, or both? Right. We don't. You know, we have the civil political rights. Constitutionally, we're protecting the civil political rights. We do not have a, a, a second bill of rights as of yet, FDRs, for rights of housing. We do not technically have a constitutional protection for the rights of housing. Right. Catholic social teaching, and what comes up always for me is Pachamanteris, right. um, St. John the 23rd, when he developed that language, you're absolutely right. It is rights and responsibilities of which it's the entire civil political rights, right. our, you know, our, our right to, to speech, our right. right to vote, our right to, uh, you know, to, to participate uh, uh, with government and, and such, but the right to an education, the right to housing, the right to, uh, to health care, those are the social economic rights. And the right. Catholic Church recognizes that. Right. Um, our Constitution still technically does not. 
So, um, so it is, and it is a big, it is a very big difference. And I like how, you know, here, whether it's in Brooklyn or in Kansas City, we are very attentive to seeing that, as you just said it, as a human right. Uh, and we, and the thing, the trick becomes how to address that, you know, that issue. Uh, and sometimes you can get, you know, federal money or state money to help. Right. You know, you have to sometimes be creative. One thing I wanted to ask you, Jude, uh, because it's a kind of a, a bit of a, a of an issue for us sometimes. Yeah. We can we can look at needs and look at senior housing and right. some disabilities and 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 build, but that's finite. Right. We live in New York City. There's a lot of people here. Right. So, so it's all it's, it's a finite thing. Our when we talk about housing, what we try to do, what we try to tell um, you know pastors is we're really more attentive because we can do more with regards to making sure you don't lose your housing, you right. don't get evicted, you don't get go through foreclosure. Right. So uh, rental, uh, you know, uh, assistance. Uh, you know, we have various programs. Um, right now, we have programs, uh, especially with you know some assistance because of COVID, right. both for documented and undocumented. Right. But, um, but once you get evicted, once you're, once we have a call in and somebody's homeless, and uh, you know we have senior housing, it's a waiting list. It's a huge right. waiting list. Not gonna lie, about five years if you're lucky. Right. Um, but when you're homeless, uh, I, it breaks my heart um, because we try to find another answer. Is there another answer? And there's always just the two. See where you, you know work with your family, and if that doesn't happen, unfortunately, that's what you know, we have emergency shelters and no one wants to go through that. Right. No one wants to go through it. But unfortunately for us, it is what it is. I don't know if your situation of transitional housing is any, any better than ours. But no, it's not really, even though we have more land out here. Um, you know, the, you know, the problem is, you know, the funding of these things, um, you know, in, in the Midwest, there's a little less, um, patience for, you know, uh, the government to, you know, provide these things and whatnot. We're, you know, sort of in a libertarian world out here, unfortunately. <clears throat> and, um, you know, which again, looks at rights in a very limited, you know, doing the minimum amount for people. And, and I don't think that's the Catholic tradition at all. So, um, so we're looking at solutions. We, you know, again, one of the reasons we have started partnering with people is, you know, for this very reason. So one of the things we did we started partnering with a bunch of other agencies who provide home repair for people. So, um, and that home repair is, it has been critical because a lot of people lose their housing because of code violations and things like that. They get stuck in the housing court and they eventually lose their housing uh, because they can't keep up with the codes, whether it's seniors or whatnot. Uh, and just that one ability to provide um, home repair has kept a lot of people in their homes, you know, you know, just avoiding those uh, code violations and staying out of housing court. That's been a big, you know, help. And so that's one of the things we started doing was, you know, to partner with, with agencies, because that is one good thing here. Local municipalities have, you know, a, a good number of funds for home repair programs. Um, most people just don't know about them. And so when we created this, this coalition, um, you know, that's been a huge help, you know, for those who are homeowners. Now, you know, it doesn't provide for all the need, however. Um, you know, so another issue that came up, and, you know, this is a Catholic Charities Connection here in Kansas City, was the veterans community. You know, here's a, you know, here's a community of folks that face a high rate of homelessness because of 
PTSD and all sorts of other things and whatnot. Um, and we were the second Catholic charities in the country, Chicago was the first, to create um, a housing center for veterans. Um, in Chicago, it's called St. Leo's. Um, and here in Kansas City, it's called St. Michael's Veterans Center. And so here, we were able to tap into multiple government assistance programs, low-income housing tax credit um, on the federal level. Missouri also has a state LIHTC. Um, and so we were able to utilize those funds to build um, a three complex 158 um, apartment unit for, uh, for homeless veterans. And so they, uh, and, and we located it just on the south end of the campus that's connected to the Veterans Administration Hospital. So, um, so again, we coordinated housing with other services that veterans can avail themselves of. Uh, the VA comes and there's, there's community rooms and whatnot. They do programming for the vets. Um, and so um, that, uh, you know, both in Chicago and in Kansas City, what we've seen is that we've, uh, that with these two programs, we've been able to reduce uh, veteran homelessness to almost nothing, um, you know, Good. and uh, so, uh, and there's other, I think there are some other veterans um, uh, dollars we could avail ourselves of, you know, with regard to housing, you know, for these folks. And, and so, again, you have to be creative. You know, you look at where the, where the homelessness exists, you know, whether it's seniors and, and um, veterans, you know, tended to be the highest things that we saw here locally. So, and you see what's available and, and you start to, uh, you know, it's not unlike, you know, um, you know, I love the story of the multiplication of loaves and fishes story because, you know, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, you know, there's all these people who are hungry, they're starving, what do we do? And Jesus right, right. back on them and says, well, what do you got? You know, <laughs> well, we got five loaves and two fish. But all right, get everybody to sit down. And you start getting creative and yeah. you, know it, you feed 5,000. And, you know, that's kind of what we're called to do. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, be, be creative. It's, uh, it's, it, we ran into that in the theme uh, last, uh, last radio show with, uh, with not only scripture, but I think uh, highlighting Obi-Wan Kenobi's great contribution to, <laughs> right. to assistance solo's narrated, narrow, uh, narrow uh, perspective on how to fight the death star but right. uh, yeah but that's the, the the story of the of the, of the five lows i mean it's and i think as part of the the you know you, we look at it as a miracle and part of this whole miracle traditions mm -hmm. but you know and so we and when we do that unfortunately we say okay that, that's jesus the rest of us no we're, we're pragmatically stuck with the five lows and the, right, exactly. <laughs> and the two fish uh, but no, we can, we do, and, and at Catholic Charities, and with any organization, I'm sure, you have to sometimes sit down and just, you know, see what, um, and some of it is, is a chance, you know, will will we be able to find uh, resources, will people, you know, give for this, and you find out that you do. I know one uh, take on the story of the five loaves uh -huh. uh, from, I don't know if it's um, Walter Bergman. It may not have been his. I, I can't. I can't remember uh, whose take it was, but it, it was offered as an instant where Jesus did bless and bring, you know, the you know God's favor into the moment. But in doing so, open. What well, the response wasn't so much that the, that this this 
that the loaf started reproducing in a sense. What in fact that he was that was suggested, and again I am blanking on it. Who was the one who gave this uh, talk? Was that it opened the the hearts and the minds of the people that were there well, of the five thousand, mm -hmm. and and uh, the suggestion was that uh, especially the women folk then as in now whenever they go out and they know they're the ones carrying kids and all that they right. always pack food. Right. Men were a little bit more sloppy with that. Right. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll go grab, but women tend to usually. And I know I, I think of um, uh, of my fiance and all that. Whenever we go on planning trips, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, let's just let, let's just go. Let's let's see what we can do. And she's the one who has a foresight to be like, you know, we might want to eat, right? <laughs> exactly. And she and she brings the cool. Oh yeah, that was a good idea. Thank you. Right. Um, so the suggestion being that that might have taken place and it sure. opened the hearts and minds for people to open up what they have and to share it. Right. And so it was an invitation um that you know we're all this intense solidarity that's that was jesus right. great gift was to open up into the solidarity that we're all here for one another right. and people were able to give maybe some people you know were able to go to the river and, and, and fish um and and bring back you know some more added added to the bounty that was the meager bounty that was there right so that's part of the creative solution is doing you know just just you know we have to trust that people will respond but my experience with Catholic Charities is people do respond. Right. You know, the news usually tells us the the, the fear and, 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 and the issues and the crisis. Right. But, you know, our end also tells us about the folks who volunteer, who step up to the plate. Right. Um, COVID-19, you know, yes, a lot of people uh, had to work from home and all that. But what we did see when we had the food distributions was a lot of the unions, the carpenter unions, the electrical unions, right. Uh, the Knights of Columbus, they they were like, well, do you need us? Well, we do. In fact, we actually really need you because we're having, we, we were over capacity. And they did. They stepped up and we had, and, and it was a blessing to have people not, not only in donating things, but giving of them their time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that creative, that creative measure is, um, is absolutely important. Right. No, absolutely. And you know, um, you know, in our Catholic tradition, this time of year, I love this time of year because one of the traditions I love to see uh, is, uh, you know, during Advent is the tradition of the Posada, um, which, you know, is a way of attempting to get us to be creative in terms of thinking about, okay, uh, you know, we're supposed to go to a different house and, and receive yeah. hospitality. And, you know, how am I going to show that hospitality? How, you know, how am I going to look for Right in my neighbor, in you know, in that person who is in need of shelter. I want to cut you off for a moment. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, it seems rude, but I I want to I want to rope this into another conversation, and I'll Please. tell you why. Okay, I want to tell you why because I'm getting my geek on right now. Sure. You know, Catholic social teaching, Pope Francis. Then a signal comes out, I I get excited, but Star Wars equally gets me excited. Oh sure, I, I have one of those too. Go ahead. I want to do this. I want to, and here's what I want to tell you and sure. our listeners. I have, I want to talk about Posadas, but I want to give Posadas its own show. Absolutely. Let's do it. And, and I want <clears throat> those of you who share our quirks, not only for theology, but science fiction <laughs> and Star Wars, watch the Mandalorian. I want okay. to have a, a back and forth with you. Maybe we can invite some friends. Sure. I don't know, but let's, I, when you talk about Posadas and you talk about the, you know, the, the, the message that Posadas, which you just started telling us, and right. then, and when I'm watching The Mandalorian, I, I feel like 
somebody's either probably subconsciously, I'm going to assume it's subconsciously, okay. interweaving these themes in another cultural context. And I'm wondering if folks are getting it. I'm wondering if, you know, uh, folks our age or younger who are watching The Mandalorian, uh, you know, uh, this time around are seeing these themes come up that are actually very Christocentric right. to the whole Advent theme. Because right. we just started. we're done. Next Sunday will be the second week of Advent. So right. let's dedicate a show to Advent. Absolutely, absolutely. Up with this, with this phenomenon, this yeah. cultural phenomenon that uh, that Star Wars is introducing us to right now. Well, uh, yeah. So the thought I had with regard to Star Wars wasn't so much the Mandalorian as it was, you know, at the end of, um, you know, the third movie where, uh, you know, you have these two orphaned children, right, Luke and Leia. And oh, at the end of uh, of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, and so you're so you know uh, um, Obi Wan Kenobi and Yoda are you know what do we do with these kids? And you know uh, you know Senator um, you know Senator Organa you know says well I, I will I will adopt the girl we've always wanted to adopt. Uh, and, you know, Obi-Wan gets creative and says, well, I'll take, you know, the boy to Tatooine and he can live with his, you know, his aunt and uncle there and I will watch over him. Um, yeah. And so you have a creative solution. I, you know, on the one hand, you have to separate these kids so that Vader doesn't get them. But on the other hand, they need to be housed. They need to be cared for. And, um, you know, uh, it's not a one size fits all. You know, you have on the one hand an adoption situation yep. you know but on the other hand you have a family situation and um you know um one of the beauties of the catholic tradition is that we don't look at things in either or categories we look at and both uh you know right both and we look at, at multiple solutions rather than just one or another right. um so and that's the creativity that that enables ministry to happen and and, and you know provide for for uh, the needs of, of people everywhere. There's a lot of creativity in not only in scripture and all that, like you said, the five love, but um, but in in Star Wars for us because we're both geeks on, on that. Right. But you see that also in in, in other science fiction. Yes. Um, but even timeless classics. Um, I'm thinking right now of um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Lord of the Rings and. The absolutely uh, uh, understandable judgment that Frodo Baggins gives to Gollum, you know, how unfortunate uh, it is that, uh, that such a creature uh, that seems so nasty and, and, and um, what's that word? Uh, really beyond redemption. Right. Thinking. Uh, at one point when uh, in the Fellowship of the Ring, when, when he's, this creature's following them, he becomes aware of that and knows the history of that creature, Gollum, with regards to Bilbo and all that. And, um, and just makes the statement, a very probably, you know, socially understandable statement. It'd be better if he didn't live. Right. And then, you know, Gandalf just, and, which, you know, he's the wisdom figure, right. just gives this idea that, you know, there, there might be a reason. It might be we cannot uh, uh, take away redemption from any creature, no matter how we judge it. Right. But there's also, there might also be a reason. And as it turns out, I mean, he was wise enough to know that there was, even though the reason wasn't really, let's say, redemptive. He was still corrupted at the end. Right. But it was his corruption that allowed to, you know, the, to, to, you know, uh, solve the Middle Earth issue of, uh, of this uh, evil power of the ring. Right. 
to play off against the corruption that Bilbo, that Frodo himself had fallen into. You know, very odd, very creative. You know, who would have thought using evil to, to purge evil? Sure. But, um, you know, that's, that's part of the creative insight that we see in a lot of... Um, sure. Well, that's life. part of the Star Wars myth, though, too. You know, there is good in Invader. He can be turned, right? Yeah. Um, yep. he, he can't be written off. And, and oddly enough, he's the one that dispels the evil of the Emperor, uh, you know, in... Return of the Jedi. So you have that theme until, until he comes back, which I don't know. <laughs> it's another conversation. <laughs> the franchise. It's all about the franchise and selling movies. Okay, we gotta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to have a theological conversation about that whole emperor. Exactly right. <laughs> I'm not in a happy place with it. I no, I understand. I understand. <laughs> right. Good. All right. All right, Jude. Yeah, so we have uh, given our listeners here a foretaste of, of uh, the next episode in terms of Posada and whatnot will be in the heart of Advent. Um, so we will uh, look to continue this conversation uh, and move it in a different direction as the Posada tradition, uh, you know, allows us to do. And um, so we want to thank our listeners. Uh, we welcome your ideas. So please share your thoughts about what are your solutions when it comes to housing? What are the ideas that are existing in your community? Uh, and, you know, please uh, share those with us because, uh, you know, the more sharing that happens, the more creativity that happens, and the more people needs are met no matter where they are. Right, right. And don't forget, Jude, today's Friday. So I, anticipate, I expect you to to be watching chapter 14 of The Mandalorian. Absolutely, sounds good. Force be with you, my friend. And with you, Nanu Nanu. <laughs> <laughs>